Hello everybody, this is Jamie Buckley with Life of Fiction, and this is episode one. I'm here this morning. I get to visit with uh, my daughters, but my daughter Asia in particular, and I wanted to... I want to ask you some questions, Asia, if you don't mind. Okay, shoot. Um, because this is life of fiction, I want to talk to you about the kind of books that you like and the things that you've been experiencing. Because you and I, we, we talk about books. We talk about fiction a lot. Um, so I have five questions. We can expand on these, but five that I want to go over. The first one is, how do you think fiction as a genre has changed over your lifetime how has fi- fiction as a genre yeah changed? i mean how how has fiction let's let's put it this way how has fiction that you've been experiencing changed from when you were a little girl to now that you're married and a mom um do you think the stories have changed? I know there's always things I being added too, but. I think the moral content in, in the fiction books that I read has, has gone down. The moral content's gone down? <laughs> well, so when I was little, um, one of the first um, fictional books that I read, or, well, it actually started by. Um, my older sister reading it to me was Narnia uh-huh. and um, it doesn't take a genius to be able to pick out a lot of the um, the morals Okay. throughout, throughout all I believe there's seven books throughout okay. all seven books Okay. Um, and it was just a really enjoyable read as a kid uh-huh. it was very magical Okay. And, and and that may have had something to do with um, with Cecily reading to me <laughs> under twinkle lights every night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Cecily's she's just a fairy herself. <laughs> it's true. It's um, true. But as I got older, um, it, it did seem like it was increasingly difficult to find works of fiction that weren't just total trash. When you say total trash, I'd like to know what you mean by that. I mean, are we talking about, I mean, if you walk into my office, it's funny because when we did the, you know, in in moving, we did the big garage sale Mm -hmm. and your mom had a whole bunch of books that we just, we don't, you know, because we're wall to wall books. And there there were books that she just, didn't want to have around anymore I ended up grabbing the Twilight books and putting them in my office so now right behind my desk I have a full box set of the hardback of the, of the Twilight books because I enjoyed that I enjoyed her ability in, in storytelling See, but I want to know what you because I would consider those definitely YA and not they're more grown up themes mm-hmm um, but I'm curious what you mean by trashy. By trashy, I, I think I really do just mean lacking in, in morals. One of the great things about um, one of the superpowers of being a storyteller is that you're, you're creating... Um, what's the word? What, your world building? Your well, no, no. As a storyteller, any storyteller, what, what you're doing is you're, you're creating a story um, founded on characters that people get to look up to. Uh-huh. Um, and I actually think that's really, really powerful. It's very influential, having people read and then, um, and then live in your work, live yeah. in your, between the pages of, of your story that's really really powerful the kind of influence you have over people's minds and hearts by telling that story Uh, and so i think i do think it's important to be creating characters that um actually are are worth um 
following and, and emulating. That's what I was looking for. Um, and I feel like those are becoming harder to, to find. So you brought up Twilight. I actually think that's a great example um, because Stephanie Myers is a phenomenal writer. I agree. Um, just her ability to craft stories is truly brilliant. You get so invested in all her characters. It's just, you do. I love them. But some of her stories have a lot of substance to them, good storylines and mm -hmm. characters you can really get behind. And some of her other stories, the characters really just ha don't have a lot going for them. There's no, there's no virtue. There's no, there is no mor moral to it. And that was my issue with the Twilight because I read all of them. Right. I'll admit that I read all of them. I ate them up because. Right. I just couldn't put them down. Her writing style is addictive. Uh -huh. But once I was done, I looked back and went, wow, what a complete and utter waste of my time. Because <laughs> I don't want to be like any of those people. There was, no, there was no, nothing to really root for. It was all very carnal and, and really debasing, honestly. There was no substance to her story. She told that story very well. Yeah. Which I, I, I do think that that's to her credit. But I would never recommend those books or read them again because there was nothing of value in them save maybe a little bit more exposure for me in, in how a story can be told. Mm -hmm. But I actually felt a little bit, maybe this is silly, I don't know, but I actually felt a little bit manipulated when I finished reading those books. Really? I, because, well, because... How so? Can you give me an example? Or? Well, no, no, it was just I felt... It felt really manipula manipulative that you could tell you could tell a story so well without offering anything of value. <laughs> so you did. She did it so well. I did. I read every single book. I just breezed through them. I could not put them down. And at the end, I was like, "Wow, she didn't give me anything worth having." <laughs> I was so frustrated with myself. <laughs> uh... Anyway, I feel like that's becoming more common as time goes by that um, people are writing stories um, not to teach anything but I can't, I can't remember what author it was I think it was a male author that uh, an indie author that said I, I write to entertain that's the only reason that I do it I just write to entertain I'm not trying to. Uh, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't an indie author. It was. Uh, is it R.L. Stein that does the Goosebump books? I think so. I sure. did. I did his master class. I, I. I took that. I loved. I. I loved the platform master class. I remember I went through his course on writing to the middle grade, and he said I never write for. Uh, morals or to teach a lesson or anything I write exclusively just to entertain kids that's it that's all I'm doing it for so it's you know like me or don't like me but that's what I write for is I'm just entertaining kids and I realize I have respect for that if that's your only goal that's fine my goal of course as a writer is is to go far beyond that is to do exactly what you're talking about wanting to create you know, heroes and characters that are worth emulating. But I also want to point out that I wonder if there are books as well that have characters that you don't want to emulate, but maybe also teach you about different character traits and real human beings of what to avoid. You ever thought of that? Yeah, I have, actually. Anyway, we were, ta we were talking about... Um there being a place for imagination and, and, and entertaining for entertainment's sake, I do think there's a place for that, uh, of giving ch children a safe place to be immersed in wonder. Love that. I think that's wonderful. Yep. Um, but since becoming a mother, I am a lot more particular about where those forms of entertainment come from. Um, not all entertainment is is safe and, and good. And, and you know what? If it can be entertaining as well as 
um, educational. I would prefer that. Okay. Um, and that's when just... You, when you say educational, what do you mean by educational? I mean... You're right. That was really, that's really that, broad. I mean, that's really a, that's general. broad, you know. <laughs> Being educated in what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, educating my children in the values I would like to see instilled in them. So, okay. so things since that could kind of be a tall order, uh, you know, if you, unless you really, really know the book well. I mean, I mean, I can see that as uh, being able to accomplish that in a children's book. I could see accomplishing that in, um, you know, an early reader, or maybe even, I mean, it's, you can still figure out and see what lessons are being taught in middle grade. But what about you know, you get to the YA or the upper middle grade, you know, type books. That's a hard thing to, I don't know. How do you? So I have, I have two things to say about that. The first one being mom did it. Um, mom, so a lot of the things that I read, um, one of two things had to happen. Um, one, either she previewed it first or read it with me so that she was 100% aware of okay. what I was being exposed to, which is her right as a parent. Yes. Um, and then number two is if she could not preview it, she did expect me to talk to her about it. And so this is something that I did all through my schooling years is that um, mom and I would talk for hours and hours on end, just every day of the week, constantly talking about what I was taking in, and then we would go over concepts and... You could ask questions, and you could I have could, the discussions. And we, we would discuss literally everything, which I actually really loved, but this was also a way for mom to um, help structure correct thinking. Um... And I don't know that that would have been um, that would have been possible um, if Mom hadn't really encouraged um, conversation in our home and held that space for me to be able to come talk to her about anything. Yeah, it just that's something that I really appreciate about Mom, actually. Well. Your mom's phenomenal. Yep, she she's is. Na, she's an anomaly. She's not a, not the norm. <laughs> anyway, so if, so if we're talking about things that are that are um, things that are teaching um, things of of high moral um, character, things of virtue, um, which is what I would like my my children to um, grow up being mostly. Um, exposed to, you, you, you don't want to only expose them to those things, right? They need um, contrast. They need opposition. Mm-hmm. You know, without sadness, you, how would you know if you're ever happy? Right. <laughs> so you, so you, so you, so you need yeah. that. Um, but if I can't preview anything for everything for my children, um, I do want to create a space where we're always holding discussions in our home like my mother did for me, um, so that when they encounter things that are not of a clean and edified nature, which is okay, those things, everybody comes up against those things in life, in real life, not just literature, um, right. that we can discuss the principles at play here. And sometimes that's, um, it, it's a great opportunity to examine and identify what not to do, not just what to do, like you were saying before. I think that's great. It, it, that all has its place. Um, but, so your original question was how I... Uh, how do I think fiction has changed over... So, so I guess I've, I've, I've moved further away from that because I, I feel like f- fiction just as a, as a genre <laughs> um, just isn't, it just isn't very wholesome. Um, but I, I, I think I've moved on from that to <laughs> um, more to 
the, the kind of relationship I want to have with my children so that when they are encountering things that are not wholesome, because uh -huh. that's life, right. um, that they know where to go. Hmm. And, that, and that I'm raising um, independent thinkers with, with a well-rounded um, mind. Which is going to mean exposing them to various things yes. as well. Yes. And you know, one of the things I want to point out, you know, especially since I spend so much time on World Anvil, um, you know, I looked up the various worlds there. There's like a million and a half fictional worlds right now on World Anvil. And I went and I looked up their database and they're just, just, you know, this is fiction. So that includes fantasy, sci-fi, all that. There are 57 general genres, 57. And then I have no, no idea how many subgenres under each of those that there are. But it just, it amazed me um, how many categories there are with fiction now. And so, I mean, that's... You know, growing up, I, I only ever knew science fiction and fantasy. You know, that was, that was fiction to me, you know? Um, and everything fell within those two general categories that I was reading at the time. And now you've got all sorts of, you know, high magic, low magic, you know, uh, you know mystery fiction. Well, I guess there was always... The mystery and all that that just wasn't a category that I was usually involved in um, but how do you think these things have 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 changed you say that that um, the wholesomeness of that do you think that the do you see any patterns in occurring themes because I've been noticing something um, heavily um, and I I saw it first in movies you know, you've got, um, like the Star Wars movies, went from something that I absolutely idolized. I mean, I know I've said this to you before, but, you know, Nana and Papa and myself, we stood in line and watched the very first showing of Star Wars, the very first showing, showing of that movie on a, on a screen. You know, on the very first day, the very first opening. And... Um, that was amazing. That captivated me. I was there as a kid um, with a drawing pad and a pencil in the dark drawing as I watched the dark crystal up on the screen as a kid. Um, and yet now, you know, then, then, then he finished, you know, Lucas finished the stories um, and then he turned things over to... Disney sold to Disney, and then you know everything went to hell. Um, <laughs> I, well, I went to hell, and it just went to shit. Um, it just made crap and destroyed what was left of what I remembered of you know Star Wars. The cartoons are better than than the other movies, but it just shows. Uh, and what I'm specifically getting at is you you watch the way that these last movies were made. And it seems like all the characters reflect the way that this new generation acts and lives out in the world. It's everything's a 10. Everything is needed, you know, is wanted and expected right now. And for some reason, like, uh, what's her name that was the Jedi, the female that doesn't have to, what is it, Ren? What's the name of the... Is it Ren? I don't remember because I don't care. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a female character. It doesn't matter if it was female either. It just makes it more irritating that it was female. That, <laughs> that, that no... You know, she's just naturally perfect and good at everything that she does, which is bullshit. That, that doesn't happen with anybody. Ever. In any you know, form of reality. And yet it almost feels like that is what is expected in today's generation of I am as I'm I'm all I need to be. I'm as you know, I'm good enough right now. Okay. 
good enough in what? I'm just good enough. Well, no, no, you're not. Um, well, how can you say that? Well, because you're acting like an ass, and I don't think an ass is good. So, but seeing that reflect, I'm seeing stories, uh, movies, music, books reflect what I think is completely screwed up in society right now. It's mirroring. And the funny thing is, is you're seeing an older generation push back against it. You know, they're just pushing back. It's like, all right, we tried to do this peacefully. You are now a bully. Well, guess what we do to bullies? That's kind of the impression I'm getting with a lot of stories. Where I, I want to talk with you in, in another podcast about this, about... It's like it's almost like people are requiring, trying to require, because I'm sure as hell not going to do it, but trying to require certain markers are met with your book, or they say you're, they brand you that you're a certain type of author. I think that's absolute horseshit, and I, you know, where I really back the the. Um, freedom of speech is in writing and um, I know I went off on a tangent but um, it was was a good tangent but I definitely think that entertainment reflects um, the societal values of today do you think it uh, I I keep wondering if it's about a balance between is it a reflection of or Ah, that's a hard one. You know why? Because I don't know that I completely... I wonder if it's a reflection of or trying to continue training to convince you to be a certain way. Or maybe it's both. Are you talking about grooming? Yeah, (laughs) grooming. Exactly. Conditioning. Yeah, conditioning. Well, that's true. I mean, (laughs) a friend of mine told me, he says, you know... He says, I'd, I'd move to California if it wasn't California. <laughs> you know, and I thought, mm, yeah. I mean, California gives you cancer at this point. So uh, it, people are not, they don't stand for law. They don't take accountability, responsibility. And so for themselves, and so I, 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 I wonder how, how that reflects in books. I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I'm just seeing a lot of these challenges in just, it seems the readership has really changed and the books have really changed. And there's a lot of it I just can't get behind anymore. Whew, okay, yeah, that was a tangent. So the second question that I've got for you was, (laughs) how has the consumption of fiction books or books, how has that changed? I have no idea. Really? Yeah. Well, let's see, because I know that you prefer paper, right? You prefer a printed book? Oh, we're going down that route. We're going down that route, yes. (laughs) Switching to electronics. I, you know what? I I really do love the convenience of my Nook getting to have an entire library in my bag. I just, the convenience, it it just, it speaks for itself. Um, And the whole nightlight on the screen thing, it's that Nook that glow, is such yep. a fantastic feature. It's my favorite electronic um, device. That gets used often. I mean, because when does a mother get time to read? Right. Uh, after the kids are in bed. Right. So, um, and I don't want to be sitting upright after a long day. No. <laughs> so I get I'm going to be I'm going to be laying back in my bed with my um, with my twelve pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and my 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 nook and it's cool nightlight propped on my stomach. Um, the the convenience there just can't be. Um, and the new ones overlooked. are waterproof. Did you know really? that? Really? Have you dunked it? Yeah, actually. You did not. Yes. <laughs> yes. I asked them at the store at uh, Barnes and Noble. I said so. You can get the extra, you know, warranty thing. I says, in case there's an extra, you know, in case there's an accident, right? They said, oh, yes, even if you accidentally stepped on it. I says, well, it says that it's waterproof. So if I drop it in the tub and it breaks, she says, oh, no, we'll replace it. So I just went home and I tossed it in the tub. 
works just fine. I still Are have it. Serious? That was like, yeah, that was two years ago. Wow. My nook is awesome. Yeah, I just tossed it in the tub. We got one for Ethany, and the first thing she did is she went and took a long, you know, Evan for her birthday, I think, made her the big, long... Uh, like the bathtub the, tray Yeah, the thing. tray that goes yeah. across, you know, out of out of uh, wood. Yeah, she was just in there in, in a bath for hours and hours. I said, how's your nook doing? She goes, doing great, Dad. That's so, funny. Yeah, so it Yeah, works. so I love the convenience. I really do. There's, there's a place for it, but... Um, generally, though, if given the the option of a physical book, I'll, I'll choose the physical copy because the, there's something so timeless about the printed version. The feel of the pages, the sound as you turn them, the smell of a book. I know that sounds that. really I never got there. I have so many friends here. You know, your Aunt Lisa, all that. Say that, and I'm, I just don't get that. I've never been that person. Oh gosh, I'm so. so obsessed with printed books. The smell of the paper and the ink. Huh. Okay, the feeling of turning pages, the sound of it, feeling the spine. I just, I really do love holding physical books. See, I really, I, I, really do. I do love that. You know, not needing a battery. Okay. So, I like books that, for that. <laughs> well, but the sad thing about this, though, is that... You know, I, I can't not keep making reference to how things change when you're a mom. So, uh, I mean, you're going to hear me say that a lot yeah. <laughs> um, with just about any topic. But since becoming a mother, I am always packing around a massive diaper bag filled with everything you can think of. <laughs> and having a physical copy added to the weight and the bulk that I'm already toting around on a daily basis is actually very exhausting and and sometimes i just can't spare the space <laughs> and so though i would prefer a physical copy um most times sometimes i will opt for the convenience and compactness <laughs> of an electronic version um simply to save me the hassle um or um, to eliminate the the likelihood. Uh, well, I can't. Maybe I can't say completely eliminate, but um, lower the likelihood of a physical copy getting damaged by oh, yeah, my two little a, children. That's a big deal. Because although physical copies are wonderful, they are also very fragile. <laughs> yeah, can't repair them. If they get sticky, it ruins the page. Whereas we can wipe off our nooks. The other thing that's amazing too is that um, for me, I even though I have a nook and I have these nice devices, I seem to be doing more and more just on my iPhone. You know, I get the nook, I have a nook and a Kindle program on my phone and you know, I have hundreds and hundreds okay, of books on my phone. So, so, so I can read anywhere is, uh, at any time. Okay, so this is just me. So. I have some of those apps on my phone, but you know what? I despise reading things off my phone. Like, I really just hate it. I hate holding my little phone. I hate the small screen. I, I hate that, that it's a screen to begin with. I just don't like it. I really love the sen sentimentality of holding books. And so sometimes, even if I have the book on there and I don't have a physical copy, I will opt not to read because I just don't want to be looking at my phone. <laughs> it just irritates be, me. That was going to be the question I was going to ask you. It says, but if you, have, if you have the choice between not being able to read and reading on your phone, which would you choose? So it sounds Sometimes like I was, choose not to read. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> for is, me, I do so much work on my phone and have to read whether it's whether it's blogging or research or whatever because it's it's just convenient I figured well heck I might as well have the option of having you know hooking my nook to it as well and having all of my books there as well now on the flip side it also does something that our nooks can't do and that is audiobooks and uh, I, Dad, you've ruined audiobooks for me. Why? Because you read to I, me as a child, and nobody reads with the inflection that my father has. <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> uh, um, which is good because my readers are—they're gonna like that eventually. I'm—I've decided. 
Here's a great grand announcement that you can only find on this podcast on this one, number one, and that is I hate Amazon. I hate Audible. <laughs> I hate how they have absolutely screwed authors and taken all the profit from them. So as I rewrite the books here on Life of Fiction and redo the novels, I'm going to do the audiobooks and I'm going to have them here that they can get directly from me, but I am never going to put them on another platform. I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to give them a damn penny. So I already have Soundwise. I use that and I did quite a few books, audio books that way. But also I thought, wouldn't it be fun? I don't know. Let me get your opinion. Do you think that it would be fun to, when I write each of these chapters of the books, that I also attach the audio for that chapter, read the chapter? So when, when you get the release each week of the chapter for the, you know, you know, the behind the scenes, so the, so the paid subscription, but I also do the audio and attach it with it. So each week you'll not only get the new chapter, but I also read it to you. Did you I like would, that? I would love that. Cool. Okay. But I'm, I'm I was wondering, so... I wanted to ask somebody if that was, they thought that was a good idea. I, just, I think that would be great. I want to do that for people, so. You should. And you have a really enjoyable voice to listen to. Just your reading voice. It's... Aww. It, well, it's captivating, and you and you do read with so much feeling, which I appreciate. But you really did ruin um, audiobooks for me before I was ever even introduced to audiobooks. <laughs> I got so excited by the idea um, as a as a young teenager um, getting into audiobooks, and. When I started actually listening, I was so deeply disappointed because a lot of the readers, they, they read in, in a monotone, which just boggles my mind. I mean, how can you be reading so many adjectives in a monotone? I don't know. I <laughs> like reading like fantasy audiobooks and oh, in a monotone, it, it was painful to listen to. Or or the people who read with all this unnatural flair and emphasis in strange places, like they're trying to make it interesting. <laughs> and it just it was and then it, it was awkward to listen to. Or or okay, one of the worst things about audiobooks is when they have um, they have the, the dual perspectives, and so they have a male voice and a female voice reading, uh-huh. right? And that can be a lot of fun if it's Lola's done correctly. Now? What? <laughs> hey, but I, I kid you not, a lot of the male voices they get, they're deep and husky, and it's like they're trying to make it seductive, and it and it sounds horrible, <laughs> and it's like it's in slow mo. It's really cringy, and then the girls are just irritating. They just it does they don't uh. read like actual people. <laughs> it's all so dramatized uh, and so it's either way way over the top or it's monotone. Huh. It was really obnoxious, obnoxious to listen to. Yeah. It was it was super obnoxious. And so I just had the hardest time with audiobooks. But you know what? A couple of the audiobooks that I've really genuinely enjoyed are usually the ones that are read by the authors. I've noticed that too with an exception. And it's funny because I want to say Leilani um, uh, recommended a book that she, her and Mike are just going gaga over. And she she described, and I don't want to say what it is because I'm going to say something not, not nice right now. And I don't want to cause any blowback to this author for any reason because the story sounds phenomenal. But the and she says, and I love this this man that the his voice and the way he reads the book. I I'm not joking. I have started. I bought the audiobook because I don't have time to read. But while I'm drawing, I can listen to a story. So she was so adamant about me trying the story. And when she told me about it, I was fascinated. I bought the audiobook. I have tried to start this book six different times. I get a half an hour into the book, and I'm like, I can't do it. Someone, someone stabbed me in the face with needles because this is it. I, I, well, let's put it this way. The last, the first five times that I listened to it, I fell asleep. Within 30 minutes, I was asleep. That's the kind of voice. And I'm like, what? You love, I can't stand this. I played, I played. 
20 seconds for mom. She's like, oh, why would you want to listen to that voice? I was like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Okay, so it's not just me. So I'm not going to name the book because if I have to, I'm going to go buy the dang book and just read the book. But that, oh gosh, I feel really bad. So her and I, I don't know how Mike feels about it, but but Leilani just loves how this... And it, so doesn't that also go to preference then? That we each like different things? Because there are certain voices that I have just... Uh, I, and, I, and, I've, and I feel bad because I can't get my money back on an audiobook from Audible because <laughs> I already played the dang thing. But then there's some people that they draw you in. I was going to say the exception is because this is not... He's not the art, uh, not the author, um, but I think his name is James Marston. Marston. I know I'm not pronouncing it right. Anyway, but it's the um, the Harry Dresden books by Jim Butcher. It has become my number one favorite fantasy series of all time. I will. I've I've read everything up to this point. To date of 2023, I've read every short story. I've read every single novel. I think there's what? There's like 15 or 16 books. I've read all those. Everything that has to do with him. I've got a collection of everything. And then, even though I read everything, I started from the beginning. And I have bought all the audiobooks. Because I wanted to see if I could experience (laughs) the same thrill. Because I heard the audiobooks were really good. And Chuck, down the street recommended and gave me one and I had it on my iPhone and I listened to part of it and I went okay that's good that's just the file and so I went back and I bought the actual audiobook and have the whole series myself it was so much better than when I read it and the voice this um, James Marston um, I can't think of Harry Dresden sounding like anything but him and he's famous for reading this series it's phenomenal first person uh, and I know that I've given you all the books you and Colby have given you all the books so <laughs> you know oh. you know an, uh, an audiobook that I'm enjoying right now what's that the wheel of time um, so I have I couldn't tell you who's reading it I have no idea <laughs> But I've been trying to get through this series. I think there's 14 <laughs> books in it um, okay. for years. Um, Evan, I own all the Evan, I own okay. all the books. I can't. <laughs> I cannot reach the 150 page mark of the first one. Of the first one. Oh my I gosh! Can't. Yeah, if you get past 200. No, see, <laughs> that's what Evan keeps saying. I was like, yeah. I I started reading it four times, okay. and just so you know, before you go on with your story, I I. That's the reason why I got an Audible account in the first place, because I wasn't going to pay $60, $70 for the audiobook, and I could pay $14 a month. And so each month I says, I'm going to keep Audible until I buy all the Wheel, all the wheel of ta- Time books, and then I'll cancel my account. And now I've got like 100 audiobooks that I'm, that, and I only have like the first five or six of the Wheel of Time, so... <laughs> I cut you off this is before you Wheel, tell the story. Wheel of Time. Sorry, Wheel so, of Time. So, Evan, um, when we were working together at SMJ, uh-huh. um, he was telling me all about the story. And, yeah. um, you know, Evan, Evan could well, sell anything. That's why I started the series. He, he describes things so well. You're, yeah, that's why I started. Yeah, and so I loved um, the sound of it. Yeah. Um, and so he helped me find a set, um, and uh, we bought a used set off, I think it was eBay. Uh-huh. Um, and I started the first book, and I could not get past the 150. <laughs> I told you, it's that It mark. was so slow moving, ah. and I, I, I was frustrated specifically by one, one aspect of this, that when you are introducing a reader to a completely new world, um, then you need to bring them in slowly and you need to be giving them backgrounds and things um, gradually as you go in because if there's no kind of introduction, no easing into it, um, you just, from page one, you're using a bunch of names and terms and races that they have no familiarity with then they're just, they're just confused. 
And, and a lot of readers end up backtracking, thinking they missed something, when in reality, you just didn't explain it. So it's uh, not the reader's fault. Okay. You just, you just jumped into the middle of something and gave them no foundation to stand on, no reference, uh, nothing to reference. Okay. And I felt like that's what the Wheel of Time was doing, is I was thrown right into the middle of something. It's talking about legends and, and prophecies and, and all of these people that are really well known to this world, but I had no idea where I was and who <laughs> these people were. I didn't know their significance. And since that was the first book, there was nothing I could go back to. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea where this came from. I have no idea where, I'm so confused. Okay. Not to mention it's really slow moving in that first book. Yeah. So I just like I, says, I had a I really hard time getting there. into it. It took me over a year to oh, get man. past that point because I kept picking it up. Evan kept checking on me. Have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? Come on, you really just got to get into uh. it so we can talk about this. And finally, I just muscled through. And once you get past like the halfway mark in that first book, it gets very interesting. And then they start giving you a little bit of an explanation for things, which is great. <laughs> But it's really hard to get into it's that It's like first a weeding book. out process for dedicated readers is what it sounds I, I like. I guess, but you know what? This, this really um, did a number on, um, <laughs> on my self-esteem with reading. Because, you know, I always thought that I was a pretty persevering reader. You know, a lot of people can't get through things like Jane Eyre because there are these long... Yeah. Um, these really long sections of the book where some people might describe it as boring, <laughs> uh, slow moving, um, or just really sad. You know, this, all of those are, are different things that put people off. And that's a pretty substantial part of that, that book of, of Jane Eyre. Um, same thing with something like uh, Lonesome Gods. It's a Western story. Uh -huh. Um, a lot of people can't get through that book. Wow. Um, and I always prided myself on being able to get through difficult reads. Yeah. Not so with Wheel of Time. <laughs> that first one just was such an uphill... Um, you have to ask Grammy, love. Um, it's such an uphill climb. Um, but once I got into the second half of the first book, I loved it. I, um, I wanted to read more. And so I, I finished it, started on the second one, and it's, <laughs> it's been, how many years has it been? I'm trying to remember when I was working with Evan. I was, how old was I, 18? I think so. So it's been like five years? Five years trying to get through this series. Um, <laughs> Um, I think my standing record of books read in the summer is 23. I've read 23 books in one summer before. Wow. Um, so 14 books should not have been difficult, but I, you know, I, I, then I got married and I had kids and they're just like, I, if this isn't a lot more interesting, I'm just not. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not motivated yeah. enough. I just, well, here's another thing. So the story building the world building, all of it, all of it that went into Wheel of Time is so complex and so intricate that if I went a long period of time without reading, um, I had a hard time getting back into it. It started, started to feel uh, disjointed. Uh -huh. Like I, I became too far removed from the story um, and I'd have to go back a couple chapters. Um, and that was really frustrating for me as well. I've had books um, like that where you read it and then you, you, I'd put it down for the night and the next afternoon when I, or whenever I pick it up again, I do. I go back like half a chapter to try to catch up and... Yeah, yeah see, I've had to do it with stories before too, but with The Wheel of Time it was just uh, that, but on a completely new level. It was so complex that I felt like I needed to be reading it constantly to be able to connect the dots and follow oh. the storyline. 
It was that complicated. And if I was away from the book for a week, week and a half, Can't <laughs> you know, remember doing, what it was. doing mom life, I couldn't remember. I'd get, they'd start making references to things, and I can't remember them dropping so many breadcrumbs. I'd have to go back not just half a chapter, but a couple of chapters I to, remember. to refresh myself on what's going on and all the different components that are coming into play because it's so complicated, that storyline is. Anyway, and so I, <laughs> this isn't just Evan's favorite series, but also my husband's favorite series. Oh, for real? Yes. Colby 2. Okay. This is, this is Colby's number one favorite fantasy series oh. of all time, which was an extra incentive for me to read it. So, so here's the thing. I was struggling to get through them when we got married, and then we had our firstborn, and he found out that I was trying to get through them, and so now he's kind of, you know, encouraging <laughs> you, pushing you. me for okay. it like Evan is, and and I was just like, you know what, I'm I'm a mom. It, it is not uncommon for me to go a week without getting to pick up a novel. I'm busy doing other stuff. Yep. <laughs> and and so it's just been a really hard thing to keep up on. Um, and so Colby was just, he was encouraging me and being really sweet. He'd offer <laughs> once in a while to, you know, like, I'll put the kids in the bath after dinner. You go read for a little bit. <laughs> it, was, it was great, except it wasn't enough. I was still having a hard time being immersed in that world with all the other things I needed to do. So... My husband, being the funny man that he is, <laughs> he bought me all the audiobooks because he wants me to finish the series so we can talk about it. <laughs> ah. And he thought, you know, you can listen to the audiobooks while you do dishes or have the kids help you clean up the living room or while you're That's right. You have more options. You know, all the, all the time right. you spend in the car driving the kids everywhere. And was Just back with my point with your phone. Now you have earbuds. You have a book available. Yes, and so I guess this was a really, really long way of explaining that convenience wins out a lot of the time. Because we'd rather not go go without. I know that's that's me. But but the readers for this actually do a wonderful job. You know, I remember telling that to Colby. He bought all of them um, and gave them to me as an anniversary gift. Oh. Um, and would he? When he gave them to me, I went, oh, no, honey, you should have told me what you were doing before you did this. I don't like audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> and you just bought me 14 books worth. <laughs> That's not good. And he says, no, just listen. They do a really good job. Um, and so I... If I remember, because I, I actually, uh, I, I had a goal to buy them all first before I start them. But I think I just... Got, I did the little sample, mm-hmm. and it sounds like they do almost like a play. They have multiple people reading the different parts. Do, did I remember correctly, or are you, are you talking about the Wheel, Wheel of, of Time? Time? Yeah. Um, uh, they have. It sounds two. like an audio drama. Just um, two people doing it. Yeah, but know. you can you can tell it's the same voice, but they change it up just a little bit. Okay. You know, but they do a really good job. I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Um, they read with appropriate inflection. <laughs> <laughs> and like they actually invested in the story. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I, there are very few audiobooks that I feel like I, I could genuinely say I've enjoyed. But this is one of them. And I... <laughs> so it's, it's taken five years for me to get through the first two books. Uh-huh. Um, just trying to read the physical copy. Um, But with these audiobooks that I really am enjoying, um, I've had them for less than a year, and I've gone through three books. Wow. So three books in less than a year. (laughs) And that's a lot. I know that those audiobooks are freaking long. Oh, It's like 60 hours, something like that? uh, Something like that. So I believe all of his books um, are 600 plus pages. I think his shortest one is like 600 12 pages Whoa. or something like that. Um, the second book, I believe it was 800-something. Those books are massive. <laughs> wow. We still have three more questions. Uh, <laughs> that's, right, two, the... <laughs> that's two questions. Okay, so the third one, how do you find the books that you enjoy? I think a lot of people, a lot of writers are going to want to know, how do you find them? Because here's why I'm asking that. I... I'm not willing 
to run any more ads. I'm in a place now where I'm going to work hard, I'm going to strive to be consistent, and I want to entertain the readers that come, subscribers that come to me. I'm not going to go out of this bubble. I have no desire to go out of this bubble. I'm not going to give Amazon a penny. I'm not going to give I'm not going to give Google anything. I'm going to stay on Substack and do this, but I'm curious how you find the books that you do. Hi. This is going to sound silly. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. I I read a book when I was a little girl. I I don't think I could have been older than like than 12 maybe. Okay. Um, but in this book, the main character, she, she loved to read. And she had this relationship with books. Books called out to her. Huh. Um, and it, it was described something like um, different storylines would resonate with threads of her soul. Wow. And okay. so she, could, she would travel with her father who was, I believe he was an archaeologist. Um, and any new place that they were in, she'd go to bookshops, you know, where book stands in the street, uh -huh. and she could just run her hand over books, and books would call to her. Oh, and that's so, cool. so, so she didn't have to necessarily read a title or a synopsis or anything like that to know that that book had to come home with her because it was something that her soul needed or would recognize and, and would love and appreciate. Something that would give her fulfillment in some area of her life. Wow. Um, and so she would just touch books and they'd call to her. And I romanticized about that f so much as, as a little girl, the, this superpower of being able to communicate with books that way, mm -hmm. to have them call to your soul. Uh -huh. I think that <laughs> sounds fascinating. And so I, when, when mom would take us to, um, on our weekly trips to the library, I would uh -huh. pretend that I was her. I would wander <laughs> the rows and I would just brush my hand. And then when I imagined that I felt something special, I'd pluck a book off the shelf. And more often than not, I'd check that book out and go home and read it. Cool. And so. How, how often I'm, were you right that you went, oh, this is a really good book? Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> a good portion of the time. Really? A good portion of the time. That's awesome, I, though. I, I, I probably sound crazy, <laughs> but I also feel like this was a really <laughs> a funny way for me to get good exposure because I like a wide variety of books, and and this is something that I don't seem to have in common with very many other people. People just tend to like what they like. Yeah. But I will read almost anything if it's well written okay if you did a good job i will read it um i like um fantasy i like sci-fi i like non-fiction i like um i like western um i How like memoirs uh, yeah really yeah wow if, um i i i like historical fiction i like a variety of things. You were reading military fiction or I was reading yes I was too. Oh I my gosh. <laughs> and you were and I was hearing you you weren't talking to me and you're like, this is so awesome. I'm like, wait, my daughter's reading military what? Anyway, because it that was written away. so well, Dad. Okay. It I was get so it. good. <laughs> I get it. Should tell Uncle Bob about that. I think he would be interested. and so I will read a wide variety of things as long as it it's was well written, written well. Okay. Um, there are only a couple of things that I really have a hard time with. I don't like horror. Um, and I am really picky about romance because most romance just makes me roll my eyes. I just don't <laughs> care. But if the romance is a, as a, a side story to the main plot, uh -huh. I can enjoy some romance. But if it's okay. just mush, I just don't care. Don't. Not the typical female reader, I would uh, guess. Uh, probably not. <laughs> um, but besides those two, um, I will read just about anything. But how do you find them is my question. So other than your super psychic so. power, your mutant <laughs> ability to find books, which I think is fascinating, 
Um, I know my mom taught me better. She's <laughs> we'd go places and she'd say, "Look with your eyes, not your hands." <laughs> For me, you know where I get mo- most of the reads that I've had, actually, since I was like eighteen, it's all been friend me- recommendations. That's like 90% for me. And it's funny because it usually leads me down a rabbit hole. So if you, because you know, when you find an author that really writes well, you're like, okay, I know I read this series, but I'm going to go check out this other series that they wrote. And for me, more often than not, I, I fall in love with those books as well. So it's mm-hmm. a good thing. But it's usually friend recommendations. I mean, you know, Terry, Terry Pratchett, can't remember how I got on to Terry Pratchett, but I know that um, in the world of Terry Pratchett with uh, the um, Tiffany Aching series, that got started by Aunt Lisa. Because here we found ourselves homeless, we're there in their house, and I just couldn't get out of that slump of how am I going to take care of my family, and... um, and I remember Lisa coming in and she says, sweetie, I think you need to take a break and you need to put your brain and your heart in a better place. She goes, I have a book I want you to read. I was like, okay. She says, have you ever heard of We Freeman? <laughs> and I was like, nope. She says, read it. I'm pretty sure I'll hear you laughing before dinner. And she did. Especially me trying to speak, what is it, Scottish, Welsh? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I'm trying to do those accents I had to practice and reading those out loud. I, I just, anyway. So for me, it was, you know, it was personal recommendations. That series holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> um, so friend recommendations is probably at least 50% of how I find um, books. The, the other 40 to 50%, um, I. I'm just adventurous. I will go and pull things off shelves and take it home with me. Huh. I, I call me crazy. I just, I, I think there, there's a part of me that still pretends I'm that little girl where books call out to me. I'm, I'm open-minded. I like a variety of things. Yeah. So there's not just one niche that I, that I lean into. I, I can have an appre- appreciation for all sorts of different writing styles and perspectives and retellings and... See, I'm just now experiencing things like that. I, I haven't always been that way. I've been actually the opposite most of my life. I love business books, you know, and uh, but fantasy and science fiction. But I stayed, you know... I, and now... I mean, when you were a little girl, I remember when we still lived in West Jordan, um, I remember going to the library, and I just went to the head librarian, and I said, you know, I've been stuck in the same genres and reading the same things for so long. I'm wondering if you would go and just pick a book for me, any book, as long as it's not a business book. Anything else, that would be totally fine. Just, just... You pick whatever, and and I'll read it. And she says, anything at all. And I said, yep, anything at all. And turns out she brought a book back, and uh, I think it was Leilani that walked up. And she says, huh. She goes, my dad knows Barry Eisler. (laughs) And she goes, no, he does not. Because apparently this was, Barry was, was her favorite author. Mm-hmm. says you will if you like you know assassins and CIA and things like that you'll love this book and I looked down and I started chuckling and and that's when my mom says yeah my dad knows Barry she said no he doesn't and I said actually I do and and when she took a fet it, it she really got you know uppity about it and I went I just took gently took the book and it's sad to say I'd known him for so long I never read one of his books <laughs> so I was like that's okay. I says, I would love to read this. So I brought it back and I said, this was fantastic. I enjoyed it so much. So I went to get his next book. And during that process, I got a hold of Barry and I said, can I buy 
one of your books. I want to give it to the head librarian here for a birthday present. So I give her the I give her the present, and she came up just in awe because it said, you know, dear Robin, hope you enjoy such and such an adventure. Signed Barry Eisler, and then down below it says, P.S. Yes, I do know Jamie Buckley very well. And she's like, Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> anyway, so one of the advantages of being a character, I guess. So, but for people who don't know, Barry Eisler, if you go to BarryEisler.com, uh, he is a brilliant, brilliant writer, and I became friends with him. He was actually the very first uh, review I ever got from my comic books when Wanted Hero was comic book, and he was the second person that bought it. And then he sent me a, an email and said, I really enjoyed your comic book. He says, it reminds me of Eerie Comics. And uh, we became friends, and I made him into some of the characters in the storyline. So that was kind of fun. That is cool. But uh, I was going to tell you, though, um, another way that a lot of people find books now is uh, Bookstagram. So I guess that really is just... Bookstagram? Yeah, it's Instagram, it? but it's the book side of Instagram. Really? Okay, yeah, um, I'm so... And, and that is... That, that, I think that... I is, liked Instagram until Facebook bought it, and then I just don't give a crap. So I think so. that still falls under the category of friend recommendations, because it is just people reading things, and then they go to um, the bookstagram side of Instagram, and, and they just... They talk about it. See, I and and then it tend the, on there things tend to catch fire, and then everybody on Bookstagram is reading the same book, and then we all start talking about it. <laughs> wow. Um, See, that's what used to happen on Goodreads. Hmm. And, but I, I and then Amazon bought it, and it's like, would you big companies just leave it the hell alone and let people run them? But whatever. Yeah. So I got some. Um, I discovered some books that I genuinely enjoyed from there, um, but I'm not really on Instagram very much anymore. Um, so, the, the one of the advantages of liking a variety of things is that the world of literature is my playground. <laughs> yep. And when I'm when I am already predisposed to to like um, and have an appreciation for differences in writers yeah um then really it's it's very difficult for any of this to go wrong i'm just out to enjoy whatever i can discover and um different writers have different things to to offer mm -hmm. um but I, I think this is true in relationships, too, that if you're out to find something good and something to appreciate and love, you'll find it. Yeah. Anyway, so books are a lot like that for me that I'm, I'm sure most people don't do it this way. But I will just go pick something new and different and unfamiliar just because it's new and different and unfamiliar and then find something to love about it, something to, to talk. I still come and talk to mom about books. <laughs> <laughs> And discuss the new ideas that that are being um, that I'm being exposed to. Awesome. Self exposure. Okay. Question number four. What genre do you enjoy most? Fantasy. I, I love fantasy, but you know what? As soon as I said that, a bunch of other book titles started popping up in my mind. Like, wait, but what about me? Wait, but what about me? You know. <laughs> Uh, a couple titles of some keep your superpower some, under control some Western, Asia. <laughs> some, some some sci-fis that were really good I, I you know what as time goes by i'm finding that i enjoy sci-fi more and more which is weird because that was probably one of my least favorites you know what got um, me on the sci-fi ender's game right ender's game yep. it was ender's war was the one that i got which was a combination of two books speaker uh, ender's game and speaker for the dead so you got sci-fi in that and then you have um, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So. Both really, really good. Yeah. Um, so I've got some sci-fi titles, you know, shouting in my mind saying, "Wait a minute, you can't choose fantasy over me," or, or even <laughs> some, you know, some Regency novels. I've, um, I've enjoyed some of those. So I really like Georgia Hire. Um, and the Georgia Hire books, those tend to be very, 
romantic. And the reason why I don't mind those, um, even after my earlier spiel about detesting romance novels, um, is because the way that George, Georgette Heyer writes is it's so full of satire. It's so sarcastic and full of, full of witty banter. Huh. And her sense of humor really appeals to me. Sometimes it's very dry, and I, I just eat that up. It's the kind of humor that makes me laugh out loud. You know, a lot of people, they'll read, they'll read books and, oh, I'm laughing on the inside, you know. Or when people are texting and they say, LOL, that yeah. sounds for laughing out loud. Right. But are you actually laughing out loud when you said that? I'll bet you most of the time people are just, was, <laughs> yeah. they're not. Rolling their eyes. <laughs> I was going to say something so. else, but I decided not to use those particular words. <laughs> um, but, um, but when I read those books, they actually make me burst into spontaneous laughter. They're just so funny. Uh, her, her way of writing romance is, is very entertaining and very playful and so witty. It's very sharp. It's just on point constantly. And I love it. And That's so... Awesome. And so I really love the Georgette Heyer novels. But I think just edging out the rest just a little bit, it, it would still be fantasy. I awesome. really love fantasy. Okay, last question. <laughs> question number five. All the children. <sighs> All started with you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Say, so, yep, it's all my fault. Go back far enough, it's all my fault. <laughs> Last question is, do you have a favorite author or book slash series that you would like to recommend to the listeners? I have a lot of favorites. Ah, I'm going to let you do one. Okay. The first one that comes to mind that I really love, I've recommended before and nobody ever likes it. <laughs> oh no, what is that? Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. Really? I loved Little, I loved little Women so much um, that I went and, and found every book Louisa May Alcott, the author, had ever written. I've read every single one of her books. Wow. Because it took me an entire summer, too. She actually wrote quite a few. Um, and I loved all of them. I just, she is probably one of my absolute favorite authors just of all time huh i i adore her her writing um i've also read her biography she had an amazing life that oh, there woman. we go um and i i just L little women is a classic and it's one of those books that shaped my childhood you know those books you yeah. read them at certain points in your life and and you may not hey, have realized hey, it at the time already, but it became pivotal <laughs> to who you are you already know and and we don't have to talk about the book but you know my all-time favorite movie that beats every genre beats every movie it's the greatest movie ever made you know what my favorite movie is, right? I've watched, I've had to watch well over a hundred times, literally from beginning to end. Are you going to say Big Trouble in Little China? No. <laughs> <laughs> that probably comes in a close second, though. I was going to say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> nope, wrong. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a good one. Oh. Anyway, well, that's good. I'll tell you what, I'll make you a commitment on this podcast to hold me accountable is if you will bring me a copy of Little Women, I will read it and we can talk about it. I would love that. Okay. Well, can, thank uh, you for having this conversation with me. The second one would be Narnia. I know you said one, but I had to slip that in there. The nope, I'm going to edit it out now. No. <laughs> uh, thank you for having this conversation with me and, and thank you for tuning in and listening to us rambling on i apologize for the well no i don't for the real life but this is how i'm able to have conversations with people is live and we all have kids so that's just what happens so i want to <laughs> encourage you to subscribe if you have not subscribed over at lifeoffiction.com and uh, consider supporting us make sure you tell a friend or 10 about us and remember, you are more than you think you are. 
See you next time.